Mustafa, the Macho Man Randy Savage, Skinner, the British Bulldog Baby Boy Smith, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, Haku, Shawn Michaels, the Warlord, El Matador, Sid Justice, IRS, Nikolai Volkov, the Texas Tornado, Virgil, the Undertaker, the Big Boss Man, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Superfly Snooker, and the Immortal Hulk Hogan. It's time to rumble! It's time for the Royal Rumble! Hello, welcome to the Nike's Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, James Dunstall, and today we're celebrating... Well, we'll start New Year, 1992, the Royal Rumble. Joining me once again from the UTT podcast, Rob and Dan. How are you doing, lads? Oh, thank you, Not too bad, mate. How about yourself? Well, good, thanks. Uh, new Year, so uh, and uh, a show I've been looking forward to. Uh, how about you, Rob? I'm doing very good. Uh, my parents let me stay up for this one uh, back in 1992, <laughs> so uh, it's, like, it's like Christmas. I thought you was well, like New Christmas. Year. Clearly like New Year. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And uh, from the Badlands, and uh, I'm going to play in the background all by myself. Uh, Mags, how you doing, Mags? <laughs> I am forever alone. Yeah, unfortunately, people, uh, the best part of Badlands, uh, Mr. Paul Teller, uh, he's uh, got a bit disillusioned with recent uh, events in wrestling, so he's uh, decided to... to Take a break, take a step away from uh, from wrestling and from content creating. So you've got little old me uh, holding the fort. Uh, but yeah, I'm really good. Love, love watching this pay-per-view back. Uh, can't wait to, to get into it. Yeah. And a message to Paul from all of us. Uh, we do miss you and yeah, we understand what's happened. And yeah, I just want to say a big thank you for coming on the last few shows. Even though you was wrong a lot of the times in your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bother coming back because you're fucking wrong, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. I'm just glad, I'm just glad I wasn't the one that turned something nice shit. <laughs> That's normally my job starting to take the piss. <laughs> but yeah, Paul, thanks again, mate. And yeah, hopefully we'll see you again one day. But cool. So we're Rumble 92. So yeah, big show. So it was held on the January 19th, Albany, New York, in front of 17,000 fans. In one of the best names I've heard for an arena, the Knickerbocker Arena. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the uh, rest of the media were at that time. So in the music chat, in the US charts, top of the charts was uh, Michael Jackson, black or white. Uh, on the UK charts, uh, Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. So uh, I'm not one to brag, but I can actually, I actually know every lyric to that song, so that's quite sad. <laughs> what a flex. What a flex. He's <laughs> not alone. Yeah, I think, and yeah, I could say I I could ram it off singing along to it. Have you ever heard them challenges? Uh, if someone's got a gun to your head and they'll let you live, uh, but you have to sing every lyric of a certain song, I would actually just pick Bohemian Rhapsody just to take the piss out of them. <laughs> Waste their time and still walk yeah. away alive. Plus, plus when you're head bopping, you can actually get the gun out of out of the M head and perhaps knock it out of their hands. <laughs> <laughs> and in the movie charts, top of the UK charts was uh, the Adams Family, and top of the American charts is uh, Hand That Rocks the Cradle. And uh, video game world, 
not many major releases this month, but there was one game uh, for the Sega Mega Drive, Back to the Future 3. I'll be honest, that is the hardest game I've ever played. You cannot get past that opening level. I don't, you've I ever don't played it. remember even playing it, to be fair. The first level, you dock and you're on the horse and you're chasing the train. Uh, which ah, is I know what you mean, yeah. Oh, God, that is brutal. We're jumping over the fences and stuff like that. It's impossible. Uh, and there's no there's no order. <laughs> it's completely random. I've I've I haven't seen anyone that's passed that level. So uh cool. So yeah, so that's the media world. So we open up the Royal Rumble and uh, another great uh Vince McMahon intro, which I missed the last couple of shows. So uh oh, it, just was so, it was so good. It was <laughs> so so good. I love it. It's I love these graphics. It's time for a Royal Rumble. <laughs> and those <laughs> graphics, though, they were ace. The hexagonal things coming up. We had Jake yeah, Roberts yeah. looking cool as shit, and then Jake, du- uh, Jake, Jim Duggan comes in. He looks like the king of cousin fucker county. Jimmy Snooker, <laughs> Jimmy Snooker looked like yeah, it was his mug shot from that time. He definitely didn't get, didn't murder someone. Yeah, like that. He's, he <laughs> was, he was, he was on for that photo. <laughs> the the oh. one what stood out for me though was Haku's because uh, his was really blurry compared to all the others. Yeah, well, it's a fun story, Haku. So, um, Haku was a last-minute replacement. So, if you notice, last year, Brian Nobbs was in the Rumble and Sags of the Nasty Boys wasn't. And this year, we'll get into it later on, but Sags is in the Royal Rumble and Brian Nobbs isn't. The reason for that was uh, the Nasty Boys, and I forgot which other wrestler they was with, uh, was on a car trip. And they left the car, and it was rather some disgruntled fans or what. But one of the guys stabbed Brian Nobbs in the stomach. Or in the chest, and he got hospital. Uh, he was in hospital, so Haku was a last-minute replacement for him. Fucking hell! <laughs> yeah. Starting off with a pleasant story there. Oh, I've got plenty <laughs> to go through. Um, speaking of pleasant, uh, Jack Tunney. So, so this were a rumble was for the vacant WWE title. So people's thinking, why is it vacant? Because after this Tuesday in Texas, Hulk Hogan defeated uh, Jim Taker to become the champion for the fourth time. Well, after the shenanigans, what happened at the end, uh, Jack Tony decided to strip uh, the belt off Hogan and declared a Royal Rumble where the winner would become the new champion. And as a bit of an advantage for Hogan and The Undertaker, they was um, allowed numbers between 20 and 30. And yeah, and one thing led to another, and that's how we got for tonight. So we see Gorilla and Bobby, and um, we get to our first match, and it's the Orient Express against uh, the new foundation of uh, Jim Dianville Nida, and uh, I suppose the debut for him on the on our show, uh, Owen Hart, so the thing I just wrote down was a pyjama match. Yeah, those, those <laughs> bloody parachute Zubas pants were horrific. Horrific. They, they did look like walking migraine auras. Mm-hmm. And the <laughs> headbands as well. And we're going to start having a shell suit of the night award as we go through the night. <laughs> we're, we're getting to that era, ain't we? So we're going to contemplate it. <laughs> the mullets will, uh, the mullets will uh, die off eventually. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were talking about that on the UTT podcast that we might have to uh, change the mullet award because you know people are getting better hairstyles in the late nineties. So we don't know about better. We were going to call. I suggested calling it the uh, the Rene Goulet Memorial Award. Oh yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> what it should be. Protect if you're still alive, though. That's the. Uh, Does it matter? 
He did do a shoot interview with Hannibal TV, so he might still be alive. So we're gonna have to. Have to... <laughs> Shit. And um, yeah, the Orient Express Tanaka and his new tag team partner uh, Kato. Do any of you know who Kato is? Yeah, Kato is definitely was not Asian. It's, it's was it Paul Diamond? I'm sure it was Paul Diamond at that time. That's right. Uh, they was actually a tag team together in the AWA as Bad Company. And uh, Paul Diamond later on famously became uh, Max Moon. So, um, oh, yeah. Wow. He bummed out <laughs> twice. I know. <laughs> so, it's Kato and uh, Owen to start things off. And, um, yes, uh, Owen's just so good. Uh, you know, when you go, you didn't realise how good he was uh, till later on, but back here is good. And, like, some of the moves he'd done, like, double cross bodies and, like, belly to bellies, um, yeah, it was really good. So, what did you think of this match, uh, Dan? Uh, just, I actually really enjoyed it. The one that, the bit that stood out to me when you talk about Owen was when he, um, he walked up the ropes to flip out of whatever hold he was in, and then just hit the Hurricane Rana. And I was just looking at it, that would hold up today. Yeah, it was just such a ridiculously slick thing to do. But I really like uh, Owen and uh, Anvil as a tag team. Like Owen's doing the more cruiserweight style. Jim comes in big powerhouse, and then Tanaka and Kato they did a good job, you know, just doing the heel stuff like the beatdowns, holding, holding them off, building up to the hot tags. It was really well put together tag team match. Yeah, I mean, this is the second year in the row now for the Orient Express. Uh, obviously, the previous year they had the tag team match against the Rockers, and now this year with the new foundation. Uh, but it was good. Uh, did you like uh, Owen's double Claymore kick <laughs> to uh, Tanaka and Kato? <laughs> yeah, it was quality. One thing that stood out with me about Owen in this is just how young he was, but how good of a ring general he was already. He was, you could tell he was guarding, uh, especially Tanaka, uh, to, to certain points. Uh, there's the, the, the part where he gets the cane in the throat from Mr. Fuja and uh, when you watch it to critique it, you can see that it's Owen leading that leading that kind of move, and he's like uh, pushing Kato and Tanaka to to get him in position for stuff like that. So yeah, for someone so young to have that much uh, presence and that much uh, ring general skill, yeah, it's so impressive. And then you add to that how crispy was as a wrestler. Uh, with the air with the air game and also with the ground game. The, the guy was phenomenal. Uh, we we've lost a really really good wrestler when he, he was just taken way too early. Yeah, that's true. And uh, good match. And um, the end of the match came where Owen made a hot tag to uh, the Anvil, and um, I always enjoyed the Anvil's hot tags. Like he's just this big well rhino. That's what they used to call him. And mm-hmm. uh, shoulder badges and that. And they hit the uh, Midnight Express uh, finisher, the rocket launcher, and uh, yeah. One, two, three. Uh, what did you think to it, Rob? Well, when he made that hot tag, the crowd went absolutely insane. But Anvil's face was like thunder. It was like yeah. Sasha Banks. She's being told she's losing a match. It was... <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, I, I don't know if he was feeling he was being upstaged by Owen or he just didn't want to be there. But yeah, that, that, that sort of stuck out like a sore thumb. But yeah, it was a great match. And Owen Hart really, uh, yeah, great worker. Sort of the engine of the tag team division going on from this point for the next few years. So brilliant stuff. Awesome. For, for me, this was a, a this is everything you want an opener uh, of a card to be. Uh, quick, 
exciting. Uh, the the right team go over. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a, a brilliant way to start the pay per view. You say about Jim maybe feeling a bit upstaged by Owen, but and Owen was great. Everything he did was fantastic, and he's, he's probably the you know the MV. He's definitely the MVP of this match. But when Big Jim gets that hot tag, the crowd go wild, and he just starts launching himself into them shoulder tackles and just chucking uh, Kato and Tanaka around. That is a spectacle in itself, really. Jim Nida. And he's somebody I, that I didn't really appreciate when I was younger. Yeah. But as I've grown older, I look back now and just another level on his day, Jim Nida. And you can see he's brought over that that uh, mentality from his tag team with, with Brett. He is the perfect foil for... Uh, a more technical wrestler. Like you said, uh, Dan, you said it earlier, he's the big, beefy powerhouse. But what he does really well is he gets the the crowd invested with how he reacts and how he's like trying to get the tag, uh, getting in the ring, getting the ref involved. I think that part of his game is so under underappreciated. Awesome. So we go to the next segment, and uh, we see Lord Alfred Hayes, and he basically gives us a recap for uh, Bret Hart and the Mountie, and uh, Bret Hart was wrestling with a 104 fever, and uh, I was checking the case, and I'm thinking, man, that was pretty fucking hot. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's we've covered this on Badlands uh, a couple of times now, and we know that that's the story WWF gave, but it was actually because Bret was was looking to leave the company, uh, and the reason why he dropped the title, he, he believed his contract had run out, uh, and he was openly courting with uh, WCW, but his his contract actually rolled over automatically, so he had another year on his contract to go. So this was kind of like almost part punishment, but then uh, kind of a, a way to get him out of the out of the picture for a, a little while, letting cool heads prevail, and then obviously he comes back, gets the title back, and then goes on into the world title scene. Yeah, he must have been uh, so. <laughs> In hindsight, he must have been so relieved that that uh, contract rolled over because um, Bret Hart, and, I mean, obviously, he, he eventually went uh, anyway in 97, but Bret Hart in 1991 joined WCW. It's weird, ain't it, when you think mm-hmm. about it? It's like, well, 92, sorry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, because there was no flair there. I mean, obviously, you had Sting in that, and I suppose the Dangerous Alliance, uh, I mean, that would have been a pretty decent feud. So, um it would have been interesting, um, and I mean, they advertised that he was debut. Well, they advertised uh, WCW did that a big star was good debut at Clash of the Champions, and after what happened, realised they couldn't get Brett, they end up debuting uh, Jesse the Body Ventura instead. So uh, it's not a bad substitute, but it's not Brett. Yeah, uh, and I, I think those extra five years in WWF though did him the world of good. Obviously, yeah. not at the end with the way his career finished, but. It, it added a lot of value to his name. Uh, those title runs. Uh, if he'd have gone in '92, he would not have got the the, the payout that he would have got in '97. And uh, we see um, Sean Mooney, and he's with Jimmy Hart, and he's with uh, the Intercontinental Champion, the Mountie, which is a weird sentence to say, but it's true. And uh, yeah, we um, see Gene with Roddy and. Uh, Roddy says he's gonna he's came here to win two titles, but he needs to win the first one first. So we're into our next match uh, for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh Mounty out first with the IC title and out next is uh Roddy Piper and uh, <laughs> similar to Hogan and uh, Slaughter, Roddy makes Mounty's pitch in this match. <laughs> <laughs> I mean 
for me, Mounty played his role to perfection. He was always he was always going to be that transition uh, between Brett and and uh, Roddy Papa. This was a comedy match. It got the title on 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 Papa, but it, the more amazing thing is it was his his only singles title in the company for someone yeah. who is such a big name. Um, for for this to be his only uh, ta- singles title is it's that's phenomenal. That's absolutely that shows that you don't always need to be a champion to be to be big. Uh, it shows how how over he was that during the match you had the people who were you know walking around the arena selling candy floss that kind of thing. Uh, you had loads of people sat on the steps. They must have come out of the concession stands and stuff because yeah. it, it was it wasn't just a case that. The, the arena was full for it. It was literally the steps were getting full for it, which is just ridiculous. And the crowd were absolutely on fire for it. Um, I looked it up afterwards. Um, Meltzer gave it one and a quarter stars. But that, you know, if, if you were to ask anyone there what the, the main thing that evening was, you know, they would have said it was the Piper Mountain match. Yeah. Uh, they, they were absolutely, you know, from start to finish, completely on fire for it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're judging it off sheerly what happens in the ring, yeah, I can understand it not getting uh, huge ratings. But if you take into account the the atmosphere, I mean, Papa did Arpox and it sent the crowd into yeah. a into a frenzy. Uh, yeah, this was a I, I loved every second of it. I think you mentioned Meltzer's rating there, and that's the difference between viewing wrestling as a sport rather than viewing it as a piece of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Because that's, you know, and people like people like what they like in wrestling. That's absolutely fine. But when I watch a wrestling match, I want to be entertained. I've, I've said on this show before, I don't, don't particularly like the Mountie. I've never really given much of a shit about him. But did I, did I enjoy seeing Piper out shithousing for a few minutes? Yeah, I bloody loved it. Even with the sneak attack with the kilt at the start, because he, it was one-upsmanship and i love seeing stuff like that it's brilliant yeah and, and the way the mounties skinned the cat i mean yeah. he had he had the, the mm. time to switch his, his his grip he was that good at it um yeah I, I thought this was a great match and what what really put the uh rubber stamping on it for me was the sound effects of a of a dodgy doorbell for when uh papa was uh electrocuting um electrocuting the mountain with with that taped up stick with a a, a light bulb starter motor attached to it it sounded like one of those old hand buzzers yeah like on a, on a really old game show promo <laughs> yeah. uh... before but he was going to take his manhood you know, I thought yeah. it was going to turn into a Val Venus uh, segment, uh, yeah, the way go- I kept going on about it. Going on about that though. promo as well, um, there's, Mountie obviously does his bit first, and he's going on about he's going to take his uh, kill, and then his manhood. But Papa goes on about it, he said, oh, you're going to take my integrity. He didn't say anything about your integrity, Papa, <laughs> but he went on a mad rant about it, going, oh, we haven't got any integrity. <laughs> did you did you, any, did you pick up on the line as well about um, Piper saying about Mountie taking his manhood? Well, then the Mountie must have been dreaming and Piper bet it was wet too. Yeah, that was, yeah. he was yeah. so good. I came here to fight, I don't know what you came here for. <laughs> <laughs> he was good tonight, so uh, and it's not the last we'll see of Piper, but yeah, Piper's near the Continental Champion, so good for him. So, get to the next segment, and it's uh, Lord Alfred Hayes, and he's <laughs> with Hulk Hogan. Hogan's got a weird concept tonight. Uh, he seems to be obsessed with tea. Yes. 
<laughs> that's bad luck. But the way he was speaking, I, I would imagine you have seen Dodgeball. Yeah. Yeah. White Goodman. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> but I couldn't help but think of White Goodman, especially the hand of band, which starts as well now, but I think of it. It came across as White Goodman, but he's like, well, Alfred, you know what? I'm going to make everything like a cup of tea. You know all about tea. Uh, everything was revolving about tea. <laughs> so, um, this was cr- it was cringy word. shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, didn't Hogan come off, though, as, I mean, we've said it for the last few episodes, but didn't he come off as a bit of a dick? Like, you better get out of here because I don't know what I'm going to do. And Alfred's like, oh, yeah, I think I better go now. Like, was he going to beat Alfred Hayes up if he didn't leave? Oh, we still got the best to last about Hogan being a dick, trust me. So, uh, oh, got that. yes. Oh, yes. That's in the bag. Yep. So, uh, next we see uh, Jane with the Bushwhackers and uh, <laughs> Jameson. Do, do any of you remember Jameson? <laughs> Dan no. remembers him. No, I don't remember well. it, because we, we spoke about this briefly when uh, when Mags was on UTT, and I had completely blocked Jameson from my mind. What in the fuck was he? I mean, there were shades of Tony Khan about him. He's <laughs> <laughs> just a 30-year-old dick. Well, I'm, I'm going to trash the genius. He was basically a snack. <laughs> That's what Vince McMahon thinks of his fans, Jameson. He's not what, eat, eating a tie and blowing the nose into a wank sock. <laughs> and then eating okay. the wank sock as well. Um, but yeah, oh. the next match, it's the Beverly Brothers. Uh, they're completely by the genius. And they're against the Bushwhackers. Accompanied by uh, Jameson, and uh, did you hear the chants? Uh, the Bushwhackers tried to get over <laughs> chanting at the genius and the Beverly's. <laughs> no, I didn't pick up on any of them. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I can say it. <laughs> You're trying to get the, the fans to say sissy <laughs> towards the uh, the Beverly's. I was like, they're just like, why? <laughs> why would you do that? But um, it was the early nineties. It was the early nineties. But uh, the thing what I noticed with uh, the Bushwhackers, their entrance, they was mega over. But two minutes into the match, I started hearing boring chants. <laughs> the guys was literally an entrance. <laughs> yeah, they, they milk it, don't they? Um, all the way around the ring a couple of times, licking fans. It worked. It got them over. Uh, and I suppose compared to like their earlier stuff as the Sheep Herders, this would have been a walk in the park for, for those guys. Um yeah. But yeah, they they were massive. I hated this match. Hated it with every fibre of my being. Um, how this got fifteen minutes is is beyond me because there was about four minutes of wrestling in the whole lot. It was it was all pauses and um, misdirection and uh, the bushwhackers um, uh, doing the arm movement to the fans. Yeah, it, it, it this could have shaved ten minutes off this, and it would have made it a lot more sense for me. The thing that's kind of saved it for me was Bobby Heenan. He was relentless. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, he had Griffin. some tape holding his shoe together. The absolute dosser. <laughs> gorilla, gorilla, gorilla uh, asked us if Jameson is he a mascot or a manager, and Bobby just came out. He's a nuisance. <laughs> <laughs> just, just so dry and quick. And uh, another one, Gorilla was like, 
maybe Jameson needs one of the Bushwhack outfits. And Bobby just replied, he needs putting to sleep. <laughs> and then he said, oh, he needs hosing down. <laughs> Bobby Heenan did a lot of advocating for murder <laughs> in this match. This was just a it was justifiable in this case. My favourite um, gorilla thing in this match. So someone in the crowd had a sign saying, on the eighth day, God created Gorilla Monsoon. And Gorilla Monsoon was, look at that sign, and Bobby Heenan was pretending he hadn't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> it says uh, a lot that we have to talk about the the, uh, the commentary for the entertainment value, though. It's thing, One thing I did notice, though, there was like a lot of like misdirection the heels like staying on top similar to there was in the first match but this is the difference between having people i don't want to sound too sound overly smart like people who know what they're doing but it's the difference between having people who really know what they're doing and engage a crowd to people who don't um but was so annoying and i mean if there is a highlight it's this bit so the genius goes around and like smacks him around the mouth (laughs) And Jameson's like, he hit me, he hit me hard. And Bobby's like, you didn't hit him hard enough, he's still breathing. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby was on form, absolutely on form. He only needs a little bit of ammunition and he can just just absolutely decimate you. And yeah, that was the best part of this this match, the fact that Bobby just ripped ripped Jameson a new one. And uh, in the end, uh, people think of why, why we're not talking about the match. It's for good reason. It's crap. It's actual, <laughs> I mean, if you want to watch a, a Bushwhackers and a Beverly Brothers match, go and watch the one where uh, Bushwhacker Luke gives uh, one of the Beverly Brothers a, a hand job. That's way more interesting than this one. Wait, what? Yeah, there's a. <laughs> there's a there's a, a Bushwhackers versus Beverly Brothers match where I think it's only about seven minutes long, but they go for a, a scoop slam, and uh, I'm sure it's Luke. Is it Luke? Yeah, Luke uh, puts his hand on one of the Beverly Brothers uh, dick, and like you can see him just like give it a little pat. Did he did he lick his head after? He probably licked his fingers after, knowing Luke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's way more interesting. This and a lot shorter. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the Beverly's uh, get the one, two, three, so uh, start of a win for them. And uh, afterwards, the uh, faces uh, gets their heat back by attacking them. And uh, yeah, and you should be grateful to know that's gonna be the last we'll ever see of Jameson. <laughs> so it was short lived. Thank fuck. One and done. <laughs> <laughs> the true streak. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, but yeah, after this, we see uh, Main Gene and he's with uh, Legion of Doom, so um. Just typical LOD promo, isn't it, really? You know what you get. It's so good, though. You can tell that Hawk doesn't think about what he's saying right until the second he's about to say it. Uh, It started off really good about that. Uh, You like to throw your weight around. Uh, Well, that's fine. We want to throw your weight around, too. And then you're going to end up with your tongs hanging out like dead deer. And then that's it. It's like... Really? That's the the worst ending to a really good promo that you could have ever had. And it's still the most like make that makes the most sense of any Hawk promo that we've heard so far. Yeah. Yeah. The step up from his socks promo Survivor series though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Miles better. That was shit. And uh yeah, we get to the next match and yeah, it's for the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championship, so it's the Legion of Doom against uh, Natural Disasters. Uh do you reckon this is a Hoss match? Just a bit. Slow, plodding. Um, 
it wasn't the best match for being a massive LOD fan. Uh, I suppose it can be really difficult to to have a, a really entertaining match with two guys the size of, of uh, Earthquake and, and Typhoon. But it, it did what it needed to do. Uh, it kept the titles on LOD, but also made uh, the natural disasters look uh, look solid. Um, I'm just shocked that this got nine and a half minutes, and yet Beverly's and Bushwhackers got 15. That that stings, absolutely stings. I like to think Bushwhackers and Beverly's went over the time, got back there, and then they had to tell LOD and Natural Disasters, uh, yeah, you've had time shaved <laughs> off your match because we've gone over. Yeah. That's why he never <laughs> seen Jameson again. He got eaten alive because they sent him in to tell him. Yeah, it's weird because like the LOD and Natural Disasters, like it, you would think that would be like a WrestleMania tag team title match, wouldn't you, really? Um, and yeah, after this event, like that changes, but... Yeah, um, they uh, wrestle on that, and uh, disasters take over for the biggest part. And uh, Hawk makes the hot tag to Animal, similar to the Anvil. The Animal's just a house on fire. Like he showed the badges, and like at one point he double clotheslined Typhoon and Earthquake. <laughs> so it was awesome to see, and they all spill out to the floor. And I think Typhoon and Earthquake just makes the count. And yeah. Uh, LOD gets counted out and Natural Disasters wins by count out, but they don't retain the title. So, um, yeah, not a great match, to be honest. I was looking forward to it, but yeah, it wasn't a great match. Um, but afterwards, uh, the uh, promo. So, Sean Mooney's backstage and he gets joined by Jimmy Hart and Disasters. And they're upset and they say it's a travesty and, you know, we're the real champions. We should be the champions. I'm thinking. Well, sure to God, you know the fucking rules by now. If you win by count out, you don't win the titles. It's quite, it's been established for a few years now, boys. Yeah. And then you've got Jimmy Hart saying he's going to get his lawyer and his attorney. Uh, surely bought, that's the same people. Is that not the same person? I don't know, but I fucking hate Jimmy Hart, that squeaky little rat bag. <laughs> he just pissed me. For some reason, this show in particular, he just pissed me right off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, what, yeah. What's interesting, though, is the, it, it's almost like they're building up for, like you said, a WrestleMania match between the two. But uh, if I remember rightly, that doesn't come off because Dawn uh, LOD dropped to the Money Inc. and then uh, Earthquake and Typhoon turn face and they win it off Money Inc. So we never get the payoff for, for what could have been a, a WrestleMania moment. Yeah, I mean... Um... Well, we'll go into it uh, next show, but yeah, basically go along them lines. It's, it's kind of similar to the year beforehand because we was all expecting this big tag team match between Demolition and uh, Legion of Doom, and it never happened. And I mean, they've done well to build up the natural disasters as this big intimidating tag team. And yeah, especially after Survivor Series and uh, SummerSlam as well, because they teased it, we thought it was going to lead to WrestleMania, but. Uh, wasn't to be, but yeah, uh, blacklisted match, but there you go. Um, but yeah, next um, we see Gene with Piper, and uh, Rob, I think you've got a story at this one, haven't you? Yeah, so Piper says that um, <clears throat> he's going to have people, uh, men falling down like President Bush, and you think That's... it's this sort of throwaway line. So I thought, it's a bit weird, uh, I'll have a look into it. So on the 8th of January 1992, um, there's a state dinner in Japan, and George Bush faints partway through, 
um, this um, dinner and falls into the lap of the Japanese prime minister's wife and <laughs> throws up. <laughs> and, Jesus. And then he, um, he, to he told an aide to just roll him under the table and um, get him out when the dinner was over. And it caused such, a, uh, such like a Ferrari in Japan. They created a, a phrase called uh, Bushiro, which means to do a bush thing. So if you ever uh, are at a dinner party and you uh, throw it, you, you, you uh, fall into the hostess's lap and throw up, that's a, a bushiroo. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in mind because I've probably got one of them in my future. Or you've done a few and not known that that's what they were called. No, I've never <laughs> done that. I've done a lot of stuff when drunk. I've never, I've never fallen over into somebody's lap and vomited. Especially not the Japanese uh, minister's wife. <laughs> And then oh, no, to... no, 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 I've managed that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you've, you've asked me rolled under the table and left till the dinner's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get a quick 15-minute power nap and get straight back on it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this is quite a fun promo by uh, Piper. And, uh, yeah, I think he went for his... Because uh, this... Uh, what he thought this is uh we'll be seeing him again later on the rumble but it looked like he went for some uh extra charge <laughs> during the break so he was hyped up for this promo but go cool. and uh next we see sean mooney and uh, we see the barbarian just like barge past him and yeah we see the uh new date well the new debut and heel uh sean michaels uh this promo's night and day compared to how he was in the Rockers. He was like a completely different person. He was so good uh, with his promos. The best I've seen him cut a promo up to now, like during these reviews. Uh, what do you think to his... You know, I don't know what the big deal is. Think about it, Janetti. I saved you 29 other beatings. I mean, sure, you know, not as bad as the one I gave you, but 29 beatings nonetheless. And you know, is there any doubt in my mind that I'm going to be walking home with the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship? I don't think so. Now everybody is going to find out what Shawn Michaels has known all along. That he is without a doubt the hottest thing the World Wrestling Federation has ever, ever laid eyes on. New attitude. Yeah, it, this was uh, the best part of, of Michaels. Uh, for me, the sugary sweet uh, kind of rock as Michaels, like, it just didn't, didn't stick with me. This, this was, you could tell this was him turned up to 11. Uh, this was how he, I mean, you hear the stories about how he politically was backstage. Uh, you know that Vince has got a massive stiffy for him. Uh, yeah, this was, this was Michael's really kind of, this was his Rocky Maivia moment for me. Yeah. Uh, where he broke out of, of, of playing a character to being himself. Yeah, I enjoyed what he said um, about Marty. So this is coming, I think it's literally days after the, the barbershop uh, mm -hmm. split. And he said, Marty should be thankful. I saved him from 29 beatings. I mean, it wouldn't be as bad as when I beat him, but 29 beatings is still enough. And it was really good. Uh, this is the best I've seen of Sean. Like I said, growing up as a kid, I loved the Rockers. But going back, you realize they never won that many matches. Um and but I've always had a soft spot for this version of Shawn Michaels, especially when Sherry gets bring, uh, brought into the fold as well. So, um, really enjoyed it. And uh, next we see uh, Coliseum Home Exclusive, um, with uh, Albert, uh, Lord Alfred Hayes, and he's with Ric Flair. And it's weird this promo because you know, 
it comes it comes across as like a baby face during this promo like you know the odds are stacked up against me i'm number three but you know i want to be the best and i'll be to paraphrase him but did you just feel like he came across that way like he was kind of like baby face i'll be honest i oh sorry go on rob no i I think he was baby face i mean how do you book a heel without the sort of cheating that they've done where people you know, go to sleep on the outside of the ring or go backstage for most of the Rumble and then come out and win. How, how do you book a heel to go from number three to winning the Royal Rumble based yeah. on skill, basically? Yeah. You know? exactly. um, well, to, to kind of like counteract that, when he came out in the Rumble, he was booed out of the building. The fans hated him. Now, that's probably because he was, uh, it was NWA, WCW, and this was a, a very much a WWF crowd, but... I agree with you that you can't have someone go Broadway and it not be a face face move. It just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And I've got to be honest, you say about it being the best of Michaels, and it was the best of Michaels so far, and the Flair promo might have been great. I've At this point, I've already tuned out because I know I'm in for about 17. I'm generic. I'm going to win the Rumble paper, uh, promos, and I'll be, I was already oh, bored. Rude. Rude. How dare you! This, is, this this needs bringing back. Okay, All no, these no it doesn't. Not today, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fair point. <laughs> fair point. But uh, well, to piss you off, uh, Dad, we're gonna go over every promo <laughs> now in detail. So it's our favorite. I'm glad I'm sat in my armchair. Let me just put my feet up, and I'll just. Uh, you can't. Nobody can actually see this, but I'm just gonna have a little nap. <laughs> So we start off with the uh, Rumble promo montage, and yeah, first we'll see the Matcha Man, and uh, yeah, he's got two things on his mind. One, I'm going to get the Snake Man, and my second, I'm going to win the Rumble. <laughs> oh yeah, dig it! <laughs> uh, next we see, I'm going to splice all these in, by the way, just to piss Dan off even more. <laughs> so when he <laughs> listens to it, he has to listen to it all over again. I'll just skip and... it on YouTube. <laughs> And next, um, yeah, we see uh, Sid. Uh, how much was he gritting this promo for his teeth? Yeah, it, it flattened. His, his top lip was so gritted, it flattened against his face. Really weird. <laughs> he but, gritted his teeth so much, Isaac Yankum was rubbing his hands in glee. Yeah, how much he could charge him for the work. To be fair, when, when he is not live, when he can do it uh, over, like... Uh, and it's edited. It cuts a decent promo. Yeah. Uh, next, we see uh, the repo. The best man. promo. The <laughs> best promo. Come here. No, closer. You know, one of the biggest thrills in my life is when I get to take something. And today, I got the opportunity to take the biggest prize ever from 29 of the best wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation. And you know something? Wouldn't it be just great? The world wrestling title right around my waist. The repo, man. Oh, what a thrill. Because remember, what's mine is mine. And what's yours is mine, too. <laughs> what's mine is mine. And what's yours is mine, too. <laughs> that, that bit of the spark, though, Max, where, where he go, he whispers and he's like, hey, come here. He sounded like Jimmy Cricket. No. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say something like Jimmy Savile then. <laughs> the great sport that brought us Jimmy Savile. That's wrestling. <laughs> um, 
next to see the Bulldog and uh, he talks about his battle royal win at the uh, Albert Hall, which is one of my favourite battle royals, um, to be honest. So uh, it was good to have a call back to that. Uh, and he called London his hometown the useless yeah. fuck. In a, in a Manchester accent as well. Well, a when, he's been accent. From, when he's been billed from Leeds. Yeah. <laughs> and he says Hall's a hell of a lot. In the state, it's a very awkward sentencing when he goes, I won uh, in the hallowed halls of the Royal Albert Halls, and it's like, Yeah, that really you struggled there. <laughs> uh, next, we see uh, Jake, and uh, just Jake, ain't it? He's just the best at promos. It wasn't memorable, but the way he delivers it, he makes it like good. It was still yeah, the best of the bunch. Was it a callback to his This Tuesday in Texas promo? Yeah, because he's saying um, you can't always get what you want, um, but I've, I've always, always been able to get what I need. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. And uh, then next we see uh, Flair, and he's with Mr. Perfect, and yeah, mirror, mirror, on the wall. <laughs> um, Flair's so good. <laughs> and they also did a link to what you were saying earlier about uh, what was uh, number one in the movie charts, because he says about the hand that rocks the cradle. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Talking about the future and Lacey Evans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. She wouldn't have been born then. Oh, that's awkward. We see Paul Bearer. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Yeah. We see Paul Bearer. They got 29 horses. Oh, 29 he, he was having an orgasm, wasn't he? like, oh, oh yes. <laughs> and then we see Hulk Hogan still talking about a cup of tea. Hulkamaniacs, later on this afternoon, we get to prove a point that no one else could prove except us, man. In one given afternoon, we're going to prove to the whole world the power of Hulkamania. We're going to prove that we can beat all 29 other superstars in the World Wrestling Federation to get our WWF title back. Oh, yeah, winning the Royal Rumble is one thing, the most prestigious event in the WWF. But when you add the WWF title on top of that, that changes the whole picture, man. But Hulkamaniacs, this is our cup of tea. They're going to be coming from all different directions, friend or foe. They're all the same in the Rumble. But it's just like always, we're always getting cheap-shotted by one of our so-called friends. Or we're always getting cheap-shotted by that no-good Jack Tunney. But this is our cup of tea. And in the Royal Rumble, we're going to prove that Hulkamania reigns supreme. But to all those people in Titan Tower, in the WWF offices, don't worry about The Undertaker or Jake the Snake stealing that belt, man. Me and my little Hulksters have a special battle plan for the Royal Rumble. And what you going to do when Hulk Hogan and his little Hulksters rumble all over you. You know what, Hulkamaniacs? <laughs> Why does he do that? Why does he start his promos looking like to the side? It makes no sense. Why do wrestlers watch TV looking at the screen from the side? That is also <laughs> true. <laughs> So Hogan in this um, promo says he's been cheap shotted by Jack Tunney. The last time we saw H- Hogan, he was desecrating a corpse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah. fucking lads, <laughs> I just can't believe they gave Hogan a full minute. Yeah, of course they were going to. If he wanted twenty minutes of promo, he was getting that time. I did love about that, though. They were saying, especially earlier when Lord Alfred Hayes goes to his um, executive dressing room, and it's clearly just the men's toilets. 
Yeah, because <laughs> it's a sink and a, a, there were a, a shitload of bags all over the floor. So if it is his executive uh, dressing room, he needs to clean it up, the dosser. It's like in Simpsons when Mo like says, step into my office and he's just got a desk set up in the ladies. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> It'd have been even better if you'd like someone were coming out after doing a banging shit. <laughs> or shouting over, is there any toilet paper in that other cubicle? <laughs> someone passed me a sock. Yeah. Or Snooker just doing a line off the back of the toilet. <laughs> I like it. So we go to ringside and we see Howard Finkel introduce the match and uh, Jack Tunney comes out uh, gets a lot of booze, doesn't he? Because <laughs> yeah, Hogan has made him sound like the heel in this when it's not, it's Hogan People, are you not watching the show? <laughs> Wake up, sheeple <laughs> <laughs> yep, So it's the main event, it's the Royal Rumble and it's for the vacant WWF World Championship Entering number one, the British Bulldog, and coming out second, Teddy Biossi. Uh, I can't believe my Sherry. I just wrote down, wow. <laughs> I, I find this. Sherry got 10 seconds worth of screen time, and a guy with a T-shirt with a picture of Sherry on got three seconds. So, <laughs> you know, wow. just, just basically the picture of Sherry got a decent percentage of the time that Sherry was on the, uh, on the show. Yeah. To quote, um, but to quote um, Keanu Reeves, it sh- Sherry was just bloody breathtaking, wasn't she? Well, she's well, fantastic. She just yeah. she still she commands attention wherever she goes, whether it's just just walking out looking incredible, or when she's being like one of the top managers. Well, Bobby Heenan said it best. Look at them. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. I don't know what he's ref- what he's referencing. Oh, spliced picture. <laughs> <laughs> spicy, spicy. Cool. Is that what um, you call it? Yeah. <laughs> to steal a phrase from OSW Review. Uh, so, yeah, it's DBS and Bulldog starts things off. And, yeah, uh, before you know it, Bulldog uh, clotheslines out Ted. And number three enters the ring. And um, it's the Nature Boy. And uh, Bobby Heenan takes a fit. <laughs> this oh, he was fuming. He was fuming. <laughs> Some of the best commentary work you'll ever see. That all felt so natural with yeah. with them going back and forth and about objectivity and Heenan doing his nut. Just fantastic. Yeah. And, and Mr. Perfect in there with a the contender for Shell Suit of the Night as well. Yeah, very <laughs> true. I mean, his was actually matching, uh, not like uh, Owen and, and Anvil's. <laughs> and uh, they go back and forth. Uh, next up, number four, uh, Jerry Sags of the Nasty Boys. And uh, not long after this, uh, Bulldog uh, drop kicks him out. So um, Sags is gone. And yeah, number five comes out and it's um, Haku. Uh, <laughs> I just wrote down if this was legit, Haku would just go on and win this rumble, wasn't, yeah. wouldn't they? No one else would come out afterwards. <laughs> but even in, a, even in this match, and the time he got, he just did not give any fucks. People were trying to like hit him, and he was, you know, so are you going to sell or not? No, no, yeah. absolutely fucking not. <laughs> and uh, out comes number six, and it's uh, Shawn Michaels. And while that's happening, um, Bulldog eliminates Haku, and uh, Haku is gone after this. Uh, next time we see Haku, we won't be back till uh, the 2001 Royal Rumble. <laughs> wow. Good deal, really. 
yeah, a bit of a stretch. I've actually got a fun stat after this uh, match, uh, the, the amount of turnaround in the roster afterwards. So uh, keep yeah. buying that. That that rumble when he come back was he was still the WCW hardcore champion, and he just yeah. up sticks and left, didn't he? Yeah, no one wanted to tell him to bring the title back, so they just retired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it if he was still carrying it around. Because I actually watched Haku wrestle at um, uh, ICW No Holds Bad, the the American indie, and he was in a he was in like a, a chain rope death match or something, and he's like sixty and still kicking the shit out of people. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the thing I did notice, it was amazing, like seeing Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair square off, you know, especially knowing how their story like ends. Uh, so it's always good to see these little uh, callbacks. But number seven comes out, and it's uh, El Matador. Still doesn't look happy. <laughs> he he hated this gimmick. You can so tell he was just not happy with his gimmick at all. And it's Boy. also time for our Bobby Heenan Tito Santana racism countdown. <laughs> Didn't take long, did it? He, he, he got his uh, remarks in before the Barbarian appeared next. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's within two minutes. <laughs> so, uh, and yeah, then breaks the Barbarian and uh, <laughs> Bobby uh, said, uh, uh, Gorilla said that the Barbarian doesn't like anyone. And Bobby said, he didn't even like me. <laughs> and I was his manager. <laughs> And uh, yeah, number nine comes out. It's the um, Texas Tornado, and uh, yeah, the ring's starting to fill up. And then number ten comes out, and it's the Repo Man. Yes, I mean, should have won it. To be fair, um, eliminated uh, a couple of people as well before he uh, he was screwed over. Did, I think did he throw out Greg the Hammer Valentine, who came in like after him. Well, yeah, number 11, the uh, Bowen Alley stepmom, <laughs> Greg Yama Valentine. Making comes his, uh, comes yeah. in looking looking as good, good looking as good as he did in 79, 89, as good as he will in 99 and 2009. <laughs> <laughs> and in 2020 when he was on AEW. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he continued the tradition of going straight for Flair, having pretty much yeah. all the faces went for Flair um, in, in this match. Was, I think he... They really kind of like hammered down that he had a massive target on his back, being the self-proclaimed real world champion and stuff like that. Um, I thought that really added a, an element of drama to this uh, to this Royal Rumble. And Valentine yeah. gets the figure four. Yeah, and that was a really good move. Really good. Really kind of uh, put almost a rivalry between the two. Yeah, uh, when he came and went straight for, for Flair, um, <laughs> Gorilla was like, he doesn't like Flair either. And Bobby's like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> He's taking a bit. And then uh, number 12 comes out, and it's uh, Nikolai Volkov, who we haven't seen for a bit. He was actually a last-minute replacement for Marty Jannetty. Because um, uh, Marty Jannetty, like, he was written off because, uh, as injury because of the attack. And he was meant to return not long after this. And uh, to set up the match for WrestleMania 8 against Shawn Michaels, but unfortunately, he got uh, fired. So uh, we won't be seeing Janetti for a while. Uh, but <laughs> Volkov comes in, and not long after, uh, Reaper Man throws him out. So uh, The first non-Bulldog elimination in this year's Royal Rumble. Really? You, say yeah. you, throw, you say you threw him out, but you could clearly see Volkov trying to jump over Repo Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, number 13 comes out. 
and it's the big boss man and uh yeah, uh, straight after Where's Tully when you need him? Oh no, oh, look at him. He ditched he ditched podcasting just at the wrong time. He would have had a he would have had a, a hard on for this uh, boss man entrance. He came in like a just a a, a whirlwind of energy, didn't he? Really, yeah. really excited. Yeah, he was so fast for a big guy. Um he was so quick. Um but he threw but, out the repo man, so fuck him. Well, yeah, because the Reaper Man eliminated Volkov, so he had like two eliminations in a row, but then the Boss Man eliminates the Reaper Man, so are you sad to see the Reaper Man go, Max? I stopped watching after this, so whatever. For me, Reaper won this Royal Rumble uh, from from number number 10, and that was the end of it. Tully beat, beat, beats Mags at Rumble 92. <laughs> from beyond the grave, from beyond the podcasting grave, Tully has got one over on me. <laughs> And I forgot to mention as well, so when the Reaper Man eliminated Valentine, um, that's Valentine gone for a couple of years, so uh, we won't be seeing him for a while. Uh, but yeah, and as it carries on, um, Ric Flair goes on a bit of a uh, streaky back body drops um, Bulldog out the ring, mm-hmm. and then the uh, Texas Tornado, and sad to say, this is actually Texas Tornado's last ever appearance on WWE pay-per-view. Um, he left not long after this, and sadly within a year or two he uh, committed suicide so um, yeah. I just wanted to mention it because so, Tornado's been doing really well since I started reviewing the show so how do you feel about Tornado leaving uh, was he a fan of his run yeah I thought it was great at the time um, the, the actual when, when we actually got Sky um, literally uh, as the guy was installing it um, and the, you know the first thing came on it was a Texas Tornado match so oh, wow. but, yeah, um, against um, I think I've told you this before, Max. Against Vern Siebert. Um so yeah, so I always had a bit of a, a special place. But um, yeah, it's it's a shame how his life ended, and that you know the the whole family with tragedy, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's, uh, only, it's only afterwards that I kind of like knew the the stuff that went on uh, with him having like um, basically. A, a half of a foot uh, for him to be so good as he, uh, as a wrestler, but then have so many demons. He would have been someone who you could have seen as perhaps um, challenging for the world title. Uh, maybe not so much winning it, but it's certainly in the mix. But then you hear about all the the the, the stories he had with like drug abuse and and the, the history of his family, and you can understand why uh, people were reluctant to to pin that that top belt on him but yeah it's a, it's a big loss and another wrestler taken way before they should have been yeah i i mean i watched the uh dark side of the ring episode about the family and i mean it's really an eye opener um i'm hoping one day to get um kevin von eric on the show one day because that'll be such a, an amazing chat so uh Hopefully that'll be up. Uh, I, I can get him on one day because uh, his sons is in MLW at the minute and they're doing quite yeah. well. So um, I'm looking forward to see what they do. But yeah, back to the match. Um, number 14 comes out, Hercules. And uh, believe it or not, lads, so not including this Tuesday in Texas, this is actually Hercules' 20th pay-per-view in a row. Wow. Bloody oh, hell. MVP, you what you you've uh, missed a, a little bit of a significant point of uh, Michaels and and uh, El Matador eliminated each other just as uh just before uh, Hercules came in uh, two two of the big hitters at the time. 
Yeah. I, I couldn't believe that six people went in two minutes, you know, and I know mm. they sort of fiddle around with the timings, but um, I went back and looked at it on the network and it went literally for two minutes between Boss Man's entrance and Hercules. You know, yeah. There's so much action in that part, that two minute period. I think that kind of adds to why I enjoy this this particular Royal Rumble so much. That you get uh, fairly big stars at the beginning. Uh, you you get like the cool down. Then you get a massive rush of like eliminations, which gets you hyped up again. Uh, and then I think does Flair end up being in the in on his own for a little while? Um, so you then get like the thought: Is Flair able to do it? Then you get a fill up again, and then another bunch of huge stars at the end. I think it's a uh, really well balanced. Yeah, it does yeah. what I call the generic rumble, the generic rumble filler, where they're all just you know having a, a little beat down here, a little pocket of beat down there, attempting elimination. None of that overstays its welcome, but the the ebb and flow of this match is just so so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, like we said, um, HPK and uh, Al Matador eliminates each other, kind of leads to their future match at Mania. Um, but then uh, the boss man goes on a little bit of a streak. He eliminates the um, barbarian. And uh, which is um, his final uh, pay-per-view for a while as well. And Hercules, which this is his final ever pay-per-view for WWE. And similar to uh, Tornado, I think within a few years, um, Hercules passed away as well. So um, he was... I was just about to rip on him for having the weakest looking body shots I've ever seen in wrestling as well. I can't do that now. (laughs) (laughs) And... um... Bossman, um, I've seen this, I've seen Bossman do this a few times where he runs at full pelt towards someone who's at the ropes, and he does it to uh, Flair. Flair dodges him, and Bulldo- uh, but Bossman basically eliminates himself with a little bit of help from Flair. It, it looks so painful though, because he got caught on mm. the top rope. Yeah, uh, he then like had to force himself over, and then he snaps his neck back on the apron, and you think, Jesus yeah. Christ, he's not only broke his his back, but he's broke his neck. Um, yeah. yeah, that he put some effort into getting eliminated there. Yeah, and um, so Flair's by himself, and then number fifteen comes out, Roddy, and the fans go wild, and <laughs> Flair's mm. face and all oh, was like, oh fuck, <laughs> it was it was such a and. Bobby's just in hysterics. Bobby's losing his voice at this point, but this was a really good moment. And Roddy Piper was such a, a good baby face, like just the way he would tease the crowd. And he's like, it was so good. And after this, Jake comes out number 16. And Jake takes his time because uh, during this point, Roddy's got um, the flare and sleeper hold. <laughs> Jake comes in the ring, but first he sits in the corner. Let's go on for a few more seconds. Then he hits uh, Roddy, and Bobby's like, thank you, Jake, thank you. <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant when Jake did that. You know, it's it the perfect sort of heel thing to do. Yeah, sort yeah. of wait until uh, Piper's turned his back on him and then get up and strike. Jake, had a, few of the, Jake had a few of these moments in this match, which I'm sure we'll come to, but just the effortless attention to detail that he yeah. puts in. Mm-hmm. It's great, and, uh, and even even when Flair thought he was there to help him, he still went and turned on Flair, doing that that uh, really good short arm clothesline that he does. Yeah, and uh, then Seventeen comes out, uh, hacksaw, uh, big pop from the crowd. Uh, not much happens during this point. <laughs> fucking <up>. hacksaw! <laughs> in, in his blue pants, in his blue pants, he looked like he could have been Piper's dad. Yeah. <laughs> 
and uh, number eight, the, 18 out. Sorry. So we get the uh, we get the typical USA chant, and the only non-American in the match is the most over babyface, probably in the in the industry at the moment. It's Pavlovian. It's Pavlovian, isn't it? The USA chant. Yeah. yeah. I remember seeing. Um, um, I'm sure it was a, a video with Kevin Owens, and I think he's facing Sami Zayn, and and they say, uh, "Let's see if we can get a USA chant going," and they do. None of them are American, but they get a USA chant going. <laughs> and um, number eighteen comes out. It's uh, IRS, and we start getting a few uh, entrants, and number nineteen uh, making his return. Murder, murder. <laughs> Murder. It's super fly, Jimmy Snooker. And uh, after wearing him, boots, wearing boots as well. Yeah, it was so well, weird. That was weird. And uh, after him, number twenty comes in. That's uh, the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Dead Man gets eliminated by the Undertaker. So uh, that's Jimmy Snooker gone now for quite a few years. Um, he makes sporadic appearances. In like the odd Survivor Series match, but on a full time schedule, yeah, Jimmy Snooker, uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooker's gone. So, how do you feel about that? <laughs> Good riddance. Pretty much like have you seen? There's a clip that did the rounds a little while back to take the piss of stuff, and it was Jeremy Clarkson on Top Gear when they used to do the news segments, and they just go, "Oh no!" Anyway, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but it was about this point in the match that I noticed with Jake, if he was beating somebody down in the corner. And he spotted it. He did this about three or four times. He'd be beating somebody down. If he spotted the potential to eliminate someone, he'd just abandon the beat down and go try and chuck them over. Yeah. And yeah. it just seemed like he was doing it completely spontaneously. But he had, like, yeah. he had eyes in the back of his head. It was great. And uh, he needed them because that number 21, uh, the matcher man comes out, uh, tries to find Jake, but Jake slipped out the ring. But then Jake comes back in and. Uh, Back and forth, and yeah, uh, Matchman eliminates Jake to a um, a big pop, but he got a little bit overzealous because he jumped over the top rope himself, the Macho Man, and um, they they tried to cover it. Like Undertaker wisely went out to try and bring him back in, and uh, the Undertaker is still fairly new when you think about it. So, and they basically said on commentary, "Oh, you need to be thrown out by someone to be eliminated, yeah. unless you're Come. boss man." Yeah, yeah. talk about retroactively changing the rules, and that's because Savage is due to be in the in the final four. Yeah, yeah though it, it not that was him getting eliminated from the ninety one Rumble, so he still had another life left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go, and then number two comes out. Uh, my odds on favourite to win the Royal Rumble, uh, the Berserker, and. Uh, if you just remembered from my uh, our review in Survivor Series, his finisher was throwing people out the ring. So it, it works perfectly. Just yeah. it's a pity it didn't work for him this particular time. <laughs> and number twenty three comes out, and uh, it's Virgil, Bobby Heenan <laughs> comes out. I don't know if you just caught it. <laughs> he said, um, "What number did Virgil come out?" And Griller went twenty three. Oh, I wonder how many bags he went through and backstage. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't spot that. Oh, oh. Bad. <laughs> one, th- one thing I didn't notice with Virgil is 
him and Roddy went at it. I was really disappointed after all that the yeah. build up. I give them in in the in the year end awards how it was like the 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 best told story of the year, and Virgil had to go and piss on my chips at the beginning of the next year by attacking Roddy. Ridiculous. Max, it's every man for himself. They'll be best mates again at the end of the match. It's just business. Okay, well, you tell that to Sid and Hogan. <laughs> yeah, but Hogan's a dick. And uh, 24 comes out. It's uh, the Iron Sheik, uh, Colonel Mustafa, uh, followed by 25, uh, Rick Martel. Colonel Mustafa uh, walking like a bushwhacker, I might add. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there were a little little bit uh, at the beginning of his walkout. Obviously, he's, he's brought out with uh, Adnan. But he couldn't keep up, so he had to do a little bit of a, a dad jog to catch up and, <laughs> and get back in line. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, not long after this, Savage actually uh, throws out Mustafa, and um, that's Mustafa gone. Uh, another one gone, so we're not going to see him for a, a long time. I, I don't think we see him to WrestleMania X7. I might it's be wrong. The gimmick battle row. Yeah, I think that was yeah. his next appearance, yeah. And he actually won it, and the only reason he won it is because he couldn't walk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. So, twenty six comes out, and it's uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, to be fair, he got a pop. He, he got an initial pop from the crowd, uh, especially when he clotheslined the Undertaker out. Big pop, and even bigger pop when he threw out the Berserker. So, I think the fans were on board for the Berserker was one of the odds on favorite myself. <laughs> I think it was around this time that uh, uh, Bobby Heenan said one of the, one of the the best lines. He said, uh, "Just let Flair win." I'll be a different person, I promise. Uh, I thought that was like Bobby to a T, basically telling telling you what you want to hear to, to get his way. It was earlier in the match as well when he kept um, flip-flopping on uh, Piper. Yeah. When he was saying, it's not a, it's not a skirt, it's a kilt, it's a kilt, it's a kilt. And as soon as Piper went back to Flair, it's a skirt, it's not a kilt, it's a skirt. He was flip-flopping on Rick Martell as well because... When Rick Martel came in, he was trying to eliminate Flair because obviously Flair was coming up to uh, taking his record for the longest appearance. And and then Hogan starts um, choking, you know, the model with his T-shirt. But Heenan's all up for that. So, <laughs> Cool. And uh, Virgil and uh, Jim Duggan actually uh, eliminate each other. And uh, then next week comes out, number 27, uh, the lucky number, uh, Skinner. And uh, <laughs> Bobby, he's just on form. I'm soaking wet. Someone give me a drink now. <laughs> and then 28 comes out, uh, Sergeant Slaughter. And uh, after this, uh, Martel actually throws out Skinner. So Skinner didn't last long at all. Uh, then number 29, Sid. Uh, big pop for Sid, I thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> Gorilla couldn't help himself. He spoiled number 30. Well, we know who number 30 is. It's the Warlords. And yeah, Bo- uh, Bob- Bobby- Bobby's trying to save it. Well, we don't know that. It could be something so different. <laughs> there was a moment going back to Sid, though, when he went after Flair. Flair like did the whole hair pull thing to get him back down on the floor. And yeah. Sid just nipped up. And I was just like, yeah. a guy that big doing that was... Mm-hmm. It's always impressive. It's like when uh, Braun yeah. Strowman did it against Big Show. It's like, yeah. it just shouldn't be possible... But fucking hell, is it cool? Yeah. And then, and then years later, he tries to just do a single kick off the top, off the second rope, and and snapped his leg in off. That's that's the clip I show people when they say, "Well, they know how to fall. Wrestling's fake." Uh, here, yeah. watch that and tell me you don't feel sick. Yeah, it makes yeah. me 
cringe every time I see it. That and Vader getting his eye popped. And putting <laughs> it back in as well. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> Did you um, enjoy Sid's uh, elimination of Sergeant Slaughter, where he just whipped him into the corner and he went flying over it? <laughs> yeah, Sarge sold that really well. Uh, really showed Sid as like a massive powerhouse. And uh, one of my favourite eliminations as well is when IRS was trying to eliminate Roddy and Roddy's on the apron and he, I forgot which show it was, but one of us said, like, why didn't no one pull his tie? And he actually did. Roddy grabbed uh, IRS's tie to pull him out of the ring, so I popped for that one, to be fair. <laughs> it's not his tie. We established at Survivor Series. It's his tongue. When, uh, <laughs> on it and uh, Heenan and Sal, Sal's like, it's still on his tongue. <laughs> and... Uh, then Sid throws out uh, Martel and uh, Ruddy Piper, and yep, down to the final four. So, uh, yeah, Hogan, Sid, and Flair. So, a bit of an all star lineup. Um, Sid's trying to eliminate Macho, and then Ric Flair goes into the back of Sid with the knee, uh, which causes Macho to be eliminated. Uh, final three Hogan, Sid, and uh, Flair. Uh, Hogan's trying to eliminate Flair, and uh, Sid's like, fuck it. I've seen Hogan do this to Macho Man and uh, Ultimate Warrior in consecutive years. It's time for my turn. And uh, <laughs> eliminates Hogan. And I just wrote down, in the biggest piece of shithousery I have ever seen in wrestling, Hogan grabs Sid Justice's arm as Ric Flair comes from behind to throw Sid out to win the Royal Rumble match and become the new World Wrestling Federation champion, Ric Flair. But, as Hogan always does it, the attention has to be on him. But so, which I also forgot to mention, when Sid threw Hogan out, look at the fans. And when I say look, you have to look, the fans go wild. But if you listen to the audio, oh, WWE decided to pop in some noise and change it into booze. Wow. <laughs> I noticed that as well. And uh, what I did love was Sid was just stood there watching Hogan trying to eliminate Flair. And he almost yeah. does like, he almost just shrugs and thinks and says, fuck it, and just he, he yeets him out. And then as he stood there, he, I think he spreads his arms and yells at Hogan, every man for himself, big boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like the two of them, like, so Flair's announces the winner and they like, they take him to the back. Uh, so glad he gets a segment afterwards because he wouldn't have thought he became the new champion. But. Hogan and Sid's in the ring squaring off and we get the officials in. We see uh, Wurzel uh, making an appearance, Rene Goulet. And how, how can you mock him like that? That's, that is a classy hairdo. <laughs> the ball cut. The bishop yeah. of the ball cut. They <laughs> <laughs> had them all out. Though. There was Pat Patterson and Tony Guerrero and uh, Terry Garvin. It was, it was the whole crew. Yeah. One, one, one just the king of the ball cut, although it, it always makes an event to see Rene Goulet, doesn't it? It certainly does. Um, but yeah, the fans was right behind Sid. Uh, like, they were cheering for him, and he points that one sign. Hoku, Hoku. Um, I kind of can't blame WWE, because Vince McMahon wanted to make Sid the next big baby face, and he turned it down. Like, he said, I want to be a heel, but I wish Sid agreed, and like, make this the point where Sid was going to be this big massive baby face because the fans was right behind him and I mean if there was a time for WWF to turn Hogan heel this was that moment <laughs> um, what did you think to it that, that ending yeah, well, the... I, I hated it I hated the fact that Ric Flair had won 
the WWF title, something that's never happened in a Royal Rumble before, something that will only happen one more time since, and it had to be about fucking Hulk Hogan yet again. Oh, he, he annoys me. Uh, I agree with you. I think this would have been the perfect time to turn Hogan heel, but he was a massive cash cow, weren't he? So um, they didn't want to lose all that merchandise money. Well, you've already said about what they did with the crowd reaction, but when Sid and Hogan are squaring off in the ring, you can see the crowd streaming out at that point. You know, yeah. and, and can't, we can't just excuse that by the uh, they don't want to miss the boss because it was that many of them, you know. Yeah. Um, Sid was Sid was over. Sid's always been over, to be honest, because I remember when he was having them matches in the mid-90s against Shawn Michaels, and especially the one at MSG, and Sid, like, he's meant to be just heel. But he was getting cheered. Like, he always got cheered. Like, he was like this perfect trainer. Like, some people hated him, but he always seemed to get cheered. Fans were behind him. But, I mean, the guy's got an impressive look. I mean, you look at him in this match. He was like a beast. Um, but, yeah, uh, but we go backstage and, you know, we see Mean Gene and he's with uh, Jack Tunney. Um, Jack Tunney presents the World Wrestling Federation title to Ric Flair. You see uh, Bobby and Mr. Perfect hugging in the background and... Uh, Flair with, you know, the immortal line with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest night in my life. Our president, the distinguished Jack Tunney. Congratulations, Ric Flair, on becoming the undisputed champion of the World Wrestling Federation. Let me just say, after Vera distorting the belt to proclaim me the real world champion, I'm going to tell you all with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one, the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. And this is the only title in the wrestling world that makes you number one. When you are the king of the WWF, you rule the world. Think about it like that, Mr. Perfect. Guys, we're up here. Woo! 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 Let's give a big one. Woo! I was never so impressed with anything I've ever seen in all my life. He went out there for over 60 minutes, never took a back step, took it to Hogan, took it to The Undertaker, took it to whoever got in that ring. That's why he is, hey, Bobby called now, the real world's heavyweight champion. We're not the kind of guys to say, we told you so, but I we told you so. <laughs> okay, very good. Rick Flair, you have made world... Put that cigarette out. You have made World Wrestling Federation history here tonight. It's the greatest moment of my life. I want to jump. I want to party. But I got to tell you like this. For the Hulk Hogan's and the Macho Man's and the Pipers and the Sids. Now it's Ric Flair. And y'all pay homage to the man. Woo! <laughs> I love it! Alright, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up. We hope you have enjoyed your Royal Rumble. For my broadcast colleagues, Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Sean Mooney, Mean Gene Okerlund, saying so long. Bobby, get some to do a group woo I just wrote down. Woo! Um, this was awesome. Um, I'll splice the promo in, but yeah, what did you think to this? It's hard to watch it. I turned it off after the rum. I turned it off. It was it was getting late. I was knackered. I had to be up for work because now apparently I have to work for a living since I've been brought back off furlough. Um, 
I completely forgot there was a promo after the rumble. So I was like, rumble finished. I watched a bit of after. It's like, right, I'm going to bed. I'm knackered. <laughs> and this is one of the best promos as well. I, I know. It's one of my favourites. Uh, and even not for just Flair and uh, and Heenan and, and Bobby, it's for, for me and Gene going, put that cigarette out to someone yeah. who would like off camera. But yeah, this is a brilliant pro- promo. Shitting on the, the, the championship that you brought with you. Declaring the WF to be the the biggest uh, uh, show in town, uh, the whole I've lived by the mantra of uh, to be the man you have got to beat the man, and this belt right here means that I am the man. It's brilliant, absolutely yep. brilliant. And then he ends it with going, "I love it, I love it." Yeah, it was the emotion from them all, though. You know, perfect and Heenan and and Flair. You I mean you'd see, you'd heard. You know, sort of how worried Bobby Heenan was through the whole way through, and it just felt for the three of them like this amazing relief. It, it felt it felt like a genuine emotional moment rather than you know sort of this scripted television. You know, yeah. it clearly meant a lot to them. Yeah, Bobby, uh, he did look exhausted. <laughs> he put all his energy into it. Uh, awesome, and yeah, uh, Gene sends over to some recaps, and um, that's the end of the show. Uh, so, a fun story about that Royal Rumble. So, Ric Flair apparently didn't know till like a day or two before the show that he was actually going to win it. Uh, I think in his book he said he found out when he turned up. Um, yeah. uh, and then Bob Heenan has said uh, in his book that he actually pitched to Vince for Flair to win it from number one. Uh, right. And Vin, Vince said, "No, that's a, a terrible idea." And then he said, "I'll, we'll have him at number three, and then claim the idea as his own." And uh, yeah, Bobby was was quite pissed off that Vince stole that idea. But yeah, it, it was interesting that the one of the best Royal Rumbles ever was was booked pretty much last minute. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it was a great Royal Rumble match, and uh, I kind of wish he did enter number one. Because it would have been perfect as well for for that to be like the number one, and because uh, Ric Flair has always been known for his engine, like he always, I mean, the amount of Iron Man matches he done in NWA and that, so um, it was great. Uh, it was a really great Royal Rumble, and a uh, couple of stats for the uh, Royal Rumble. Um, so yeah, uh, most eliminations was actually uh, Sid Justice. He had six eliminations that night. Uh, Ric Flair was second at five eliminations. So. Sid was booked strong. I mean, I think he entered, what was it, 29 he entered, 28? So, uh, 29, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Coming in, what was in it, about four or five minutes, maybe. Uh, yeah. And eliminated six people, just basically cleaned house, I suppose. Yep. And uh, I mentioned, uh, like, through this review, like, the amount of people, uh, their last shows. Uh, so I thought I'd write them down. So including, like, uh, even, like, the uh, undercard matches. So... Yeah, the Orient Express, Tanaka and uh, Kato slash Paul Diamond. Paul Diamond does reappear about a year or two later as Max Moon, but the Orient Express is finished. Uh, Jim Dianville Neidhart, we don't see him till uh, 95, 96 now, so that's him gone. Haku is gone till 2001. The Barbarian's gone till 95, 96. Uh, Texas Tornado, we spoke about earlier. Um, Colonel Mustafa, we spoke, he's gone for a while. Valentine makes sporadic appearances. Uh, Jameson's God, thank God. Uh, <laughs> Bokoff has gone for a few years. Hercules is gone. Superfly is gone. Yeah, that's 12 stars. Uh, well, 11, 
don't count Jameson as a star, but <laughs> that's 12. Uh, so, yeah, that's 12 people who was their last show. So that was quite a big turnaround, really, when you think about it. Yeah, shocking, really, that so many um, people who, who were big on this show and it ended up being their last. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. And um, so one of the reasons why people thought, uh, why Hogan got booed, what people believe. So during this time, this is when the investigation started happening with the steroid trial, mm-hmm. steroid, Dr. Sahoria, and he, I, he was already being investigated. And they sent Hulk Hogan over to the Arsenio Pulse uh, show uh, to basically try and smooth the things. And he got asked, did you ever do steroids? And Hogan was like, no. <laughs> he tried to say that with a straight face. <laughs> Uh, which and he looked even more stupid because during the actual trial, he admitted that he did take it, but Vince McMahon never told him to take it. Um, so I think Hogan was starting to lose favor. And I mean, we are going very fast, we are nearing the end of Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania. One of the reasons for it is because they're you know, they were starting to come on WF hard now with these steroid uh, accusations and that. So, yeah, I just thought I'd just throw that in there, but. Yeah, we'll get to our favourite part of the show, I suppose, uh, the awards. So, um, start the awards off. Uh, match of the night. So, um, yeah, we'll go to uh, Rob first. What do you think? Uh, it's got it's to be the Rumble. Um, yeah. You know, I, it, it, it's very close for the Bushwhackers match, but... Um... <laughs> get the <ball. laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's, it's very difficult on a Royal Rumble show to not give it to a Rumble. Um, yeah. But obviously, how significant this was—the first time the title was on the line. Uh, you know, the emotion from um, Flair and Heenan—it's got to be the Rumble for me. Yeah, and you, Dan? Exactly the same. It has to be the Rumble. Off the top of my head, I can only think of Cactus Jack versus Triple H at Royal Rumble 2000 that I'd probably give as being better than the actual Rumble itself. That's just off the top of my head because that was—you know—that was special. But yeah. This Rumble is one of the best ever. It's not my favourite, but you know we were saying before, it's it's so well paced. It ebbs and flows nicely. Absolutely packed with top talent. And you've got Flair going from number three, putting in an absolute... Well, at this point, it was the the Iron Man performance. Yeah. It, I think it took until Mysterio. That's right. Um, for, anybody to, to, for anybody else to top an hour. Yeah. And even now, it's very rarely done. And yeah, just the outright emotion of it, the story they've been building to for months with, you know, the real world's champion and all of that, all those threads tying together. It was just fantastic. And I can imagine the same for you, Max. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to to argue on, a, especially on a card with five matches, how the the Royal Rumble isn't the, the, the standout match. I mean... I could make a case for, for the opener. I thought that that was a really good way to uh, to start the show, really well-paced. But, yeah, this was all about uh, Ric Flair's crowning moment. So, yeah, I, I've got to give it to the Rumble. Yeah, it's a clean sweep. Uh, great match, great Rumble. And, yeah, the opening match I enjoyed as well. But, um, yeah, it's got to be the Rumble. And, yeah, next one tonight, uh, MVP of the night. Uh, I'll start things off Uh I don't know if you agree, but my MVP of the night is actually um, tough. My second choice would actually be Roddy Piper, because I found him so entertaining tonight. But my number one tonight is uh, Bobby Heenan. He was just on it all night, and he made the Bushwhackers 
Beverly Brothers match entertaining in some form. Uh, I was so busy just listening to him and just him putting Jameson down. It was entertaining. And him just this whole rumble. And <laughs> I mean, I haven't wrote down half the things he said tonight during this rumble, but he was so good. So, yeah, Bobby Heenan's actually my MVP tonight. But uh, we'll go to you, uh, Mags. Who's yours? Mm, now, I'm, I'm like you. I can pick between two. Um the the first one uh, is actually the person who got the fifth amount of uh, of eliminations in the rumble. That's Repo Man, obviously. Should have really gone on to win it. Um, but yeah, it, it was the Ric Flair show. This was uh, Ric Flair coming to the WWF, uh, proving that he wasn't just a, a territory uh, legend. That he he was the the man on the biggest show in the world. So yeah, I've got to give it Ric Flair. But I do agree with you, Bobby. Bobby Eaton added to why I pick. I would pick Ric Flair. Uh, he he was like the the acid on the cake for me. Yeah, uh, you done. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be Flair. I was really tempted with Piper because he went from you know he won the Intercontinental title. He made that match with the Mountie incredibly entertaining, and then he was actually the sec- the man with the second longest time in the Rumble. I think he was yeah. just shy of thirty five minutes, which is a hell of a showing. And um, I think only bu- only Bulldog really yeah. came close to uh, uh, I think close to Piper. Uh, I I arrested about twenty seven as well. I think I arrested twenty seven really. I think so. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. But yeah, it's Flair going in at number three, and, and not only that, we've seen rumbles before. There was the, the famous sort of Roman sleeping uh, rumble, or the '99 rumble where Austin and McMahon went into the back. Flair was in at three, and he was never out of the mix. He was so rarely resting. He was all. They mentioned it on commentary as well. You know, Heenan putting him over, saying he's still swinging. He's still swinging. Yeah, we can't and, yeah, it was proper. You said before, Mags. I think I think it was you, Mags, said about Flair being known for his engine. Well, it showed it showed here. He just never stopped. Apart from when he was on his own, he could finally take a breather, and he just flopped face first. Yeah, <laughs> cool. And uh, you, Rob? Yeah, it's got to be Flair. But you know, we've said this on previous shows. Um, yeah, what does it say for a show when you can legitimately make an argument for several people? And yeah. like say Bobby Heenan, Roddy Piper, Ric Flair, that the, there are you could easily give any of them um, the MVP, and I think that just speaks to the strength of the show. Yeah, and uh, that 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 was one of the things I forgot to mention about this Rumble. This Rumble legit had seven possible winners. I mean, you had Hogan, obviously Flair, Macho Man, Piper, Jake, even Undertaker, and Roddy Piper. That's Sid. seven. Paul. <clears throat> yeah. Repo man, but yeah, um, legitimately, that then people any one of them could have won that rumble tonight. Uh, so yeah, it was so well booked, and uh, yeah, uh, your moment of the night. Uh, so yeah, we'll uh, start with you, uh, Dan. What was your moment of the night? It was it was Flair winning. Yeah, it had to be just Flair winning. I was tempted with um, Roddy Piper winning the IC title and and using the cattle prod because that was a moment of absolute comedy genius with that sound effect that I, I actually, I belly laughed at that. I really did. But yeah, Flair winning because Hogan's a petulant shithouse. <laughs> uh, you know, he's lasted all that time and finally getting the title was great. It, like you say, it was a shame that they had to make it all about Hogan, but that was a, a, that was a landmark that would stand for, I can't remember, like I say, about 14 years. So yeah, Flair winning for me. Yeah. 
And uh, you, Rob? Um, I'm going for that uh, promo at the end uh, with a tear in his eye. It's It's yeah. got to be uh, the promo for me for the moment of the night. And uh, Mags? Yeah, same, same as Rob. That promo is iconic and probably more iconic than Flair actually winning the title for me. Uh, just so many moments crammed into that 30, 40 second promo. Uh, so, yeah, I'd, I'd go with that. Yeah, and uh, I'm the same. So, we're going to do a Tolly. Uh, I'm going to be the new Tolly. So, in fairness, in fairness, right? In fairness, if I'd have remembered to watch the promo, I'd have picked the promo, but I didn't, I forgot to watch it, so I can't pick it. Okay, Tolly, too. (laughs) The the spirit of Tolly lives on in Dan. (laughs) I will, I will never fill that man's shoes. Never, absolute, absolute legend because he's a size 12. It's time, well, it's time for Dan to redeem himself because this is his favourite award, the mullet of the night. And, wow, you're spoiled for choices tonight, Dan. So what's your mullet of the night? I am. And I don't know if anybody else will have picked up on this one, but in the opening match, there was a bloke about eight rows back, just to the right of the centre of hard cam. And he was wearing a pink. He was wearing a pink jumper, and he had one of the. He had such an awesome mullet and mustache combo that it made me stop paying attention to Owen Hart for a good thirty seconds, just to take in the majesty. <laughs> so you can shove the Beverly Brothers up your ass, all of that. Even Animal with his fantastic, unique mullet and all that. It, it was that bloke in the crowd with his pink, with his pink jumper, his mullet and his stash. Whoever you are, I hope you're still rocking that look, sir. You look magnificent. I'm, uh, I'll have to I've try. I've never caught that, so I'm going to go rewatch that and catch that mullet. <laughs> I forgot, I'm going to. It's, re- it's WrestleMania Seven all over again. <laughs> yeah. I'll find it and I'll splice it. Uh, Rob, well, he was your mullet of the night. Well, I, I think the beauty of this is that after Shawn Michaels threw uh, Mike Jenny through the barbershop window, he sat down and let uh, Beefcake um, give him a bit of a trim, and he came out with a fantastic mullet for the Royal yeah. Rumble. So I'm going for Shawn Michaels. <laughs> and Mags for me there's a, a, a huge choice of, of a very similar kind of like business at the front poodle at the back style mullets you've got uh, Sid Justice previous winner um, but you also had uh, Barbarian uh, um, Typhoon rock the same mullet but I'm going to actually give it Barbarian because he hasn't had a lot of love uh, in in the mullet era, and I think his kind of like really tight cur- uh, curly locks definitely deserves some love. So I'm going with Barbarian. Awesome. And uh, I was a, I forgot to mention I was a bit disappointed in Rick Martel because he's chopped his mullet off. So I was uh, disappointed of him because he's a previous winner. Um, I was, I was thinking... <laughs> disappointed of how dare what? you get your hair cut? How are you, how are you a model with that haircut? <laughs> I was going to go with Sid again, but I don't like to give the award twice to someone, but I might actually be going for Flair, because Flair's mother kind of evolved. It started off nice and neat at the beginning, then it was just a mess at the end. So, I'm going Flair. And, uh, awesome. So, lads, thanks very much for coming on. We've got a rerun of, uh, of Bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so yeah, I we've got a bulldog on the top bridge at the back. 
partway through the match, he had to like comb the the unbred a bit back. Like he had to uh, uh, brush it back with his hand. So if we can't agree on a mullet of the night, does the award default to René Goulet? Is that is that the uh, rule? That's, the that's like a that's yeah, like a, a a whole head mullet, isn't it? It's every angle you look at him, that's potentially a mullet. <laughs> Three dimensional mullet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, grow that hair in in honour of him. <laughs> So let's uh, do some plugging. So, uh, Max, we'll start with you and uh, your 50 million podcasts you've got going. Okay, well, firstly, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, go under the pseudonym of, of Paul Collet at Raincounter. Make sure you follow me there. I love talking wrestling, uh, but really, you can follow me on Twitter at DJ Kirkby. Um, yeah, I've got so many podcasts, it's, it's unreal. Uh, keep getting stick off uh, my fellow guests here uh, for, for for basically not having the time to to do anything else. But yeah, go on my social medias and there's always links there to the content I'm in. Awesome. And uh, Rob and Dan, the UTT podcast, tell us where it's at. It's at UTT podcast. You can find it where you're listening to this very podcast or, um, or if you're watching it on YouTube, then go and listen to it on podcast and you'll find it there. Um, you can also find it on its own uh, podcast stream. So subscribe to both of them, listen to both of them. And if your pets get lonely while you're away, play it, uh, play it for them in the background so you can get the listens up. On Very a loop. Much on a loop. <laughs> and you, Dan? And you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21 and also on at UTT Podcast. Uh, I'll be talking wrestling at a minimum six weeks behind schedule. <laughs> awesome. And for anyone who wants to follow me, follow me on Twitter at 90s Wrestling Pod. And you can follow me on Instagram at 90s Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I'm also on TikTok. I've started putting out some fun videos on TikTok, so uh, it's getting pretty popular on TikTok. But uh, yeah, and if you listen to this podcast form, please like, uh, give us a five star review, and uh, share it with your friends and family. It really does help the channel out. And same for everyone who's watching on YouTube. Please hit the subscribe button and like, share, comment. Uh, like I said, it really helps. And yeah, I've got some exciting interviews coming out. Also, uh, got Vince Russo coming out quite soon. So uh, interesting chat. So I uh, hope everyone's looking forward to it. But our next show, lads, will be uh, WrestleMania 8. I'm really looking forward to that show because uh, that's one of the, me childhood um, videos uh, growing up So and some really good matches on it. So uh, an un- underrated WrestleMania, uh, I believe. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. So when's the last time users watched it? Uh, what year was it put on? No, I've actually watched it not, I wouldn't say recently, but over the last couple of years I've, I've, I've gone back over it. Uh, yeah, it, it does get a lot of stick, and I think that's because of uh, Hogan politicking his way into to the, the, the top of the card. But, yeah, there is some, some decent matches on it. Cool. Don't think um, I've watched it in about seven years, so I can't remember a single match on that show. So it'll be a good uh, good education. Cool. You, Rob? I think, I think I might not actually have watched it since it was on, so it'll be interesting. <laughs> He's wiped it from his memory. <laughs> <laughs> so, and yeah, I mean, 1992, this is um, a transition year for wrestling. Like we've mentioned tonight, 12 wrestlers are out tonight, and that happens to mean yeah, there's more wrestlers, especially the big ones. But yeah, this is 
pretty interesting year coming up, so uh, yeah, looking forward to it. So yeah, lads, thanks again for coming on, and yeah, uh, for everyone else, we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Uh,